Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the Football Writers Podcast, featuring me, Mike Calvin, Alison Rudd of The Times, and Jordan Jarrett Bryan, the journalist and broadcaster. A terrible weekend for Manchester's Big Two and for English football. United looked a tired, fallible team in losing to Sevilla. City were cowed and confused in losing to Lyon. Both managers have big questions to answer. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's inexperience showed in his game management. Pep Guardiola once again outthought himself and his team in the Champions League. Domestic titles and trophies are nice to have, but he was brought in to win the biggest prize of all. Failing to make it past the quarterfinals in four seasons is an inadequate return on incredible investment. Now he's only got a year remaining on his contract. He should either commit his future to the club or walk away. I'm not holding my breath for a decision, but is that fair, Ali? It is fair. He's under enormous pressure. And if I was Pep, I'd be slightly worried that getting to the Holy Grail looks less likely than more. It's not as if his time in Europe with City, he's progressed and you can see how he's overcome the pressures of it being why he was brought in and slowly getting there. It's it's just, he's just getting further away from it. He's in a strange trap there because the difference between the way he's perceived domestically, by domestically I mean in England and the way he's seen abroad, there's quite a gulf which I think he has to navigate and he's not navigated it properly, by which I mean a lot of teams when they face City in the Premier League, they're nervous of City. They see them as a bulldozer of attacking options and they, they you know, increasingly have found it very difficult to work out how to stop them. Whereas in Europe, because City have no European pedigree, Nobody's particularly scared of Manchester City as an entity. So somehow Pep feels, clearly we can all see it, he feels he has to change from domestic football to European football in order to bridge that gap. And that sounds like a simple formula, but he, he manages to make a bit of a mess of it every time. So, as you say, uh, as there's no set sense of momentum in Europe at all, what does he do? I think it would be really poor for his overall legacy if he jumped ship early without winning it. He wouldn't like that as a, as a failure because people still bring up the fact he couldn't win it with Bayern Munich. It's an X in the box. I think his only escape either, either commits and decides, I, I, you know, I've got to do this, or he goes back to Barcelona because that wouldn't be seen as jumping ship. That would be seen as answering the call to his homeland and the team that need him. I think they're his two two options. He either goes to Barcelona, makes it like he's on a mercy mission, or he just 
decides I have to work this out at City. Is he, Jordan, perhaps the new tinker man? There's been the usual fallout from this type of seismic defeat. You know, we're reading this morning of players quietly making their views about the tactical changes known. There's a sense that he confused the team. He was overthinking it at the business end of the Champions League as per usual. Is that a sign, do you think, of his waning powers? Because he's been really vocal about burnout in his profession. Is this the first sign that he's actually suffering from it? Well, I think that it's, first of all, very difficult, as we're seeing, for any manager in this league to, three years on the bounce, keep that level of intensity and success. I mean, the greatest manager of this land, Sir Alex Ferguson, only did it twice, I believe. So it's not an easy thing to do to get a team to not only retain the league, but then to go for a third season. So I think that that that's, that's difficult for anybody to do. I think the problem that he's got is in terms of the, the, how he's perceived amongst the players, a lot of, there was a lot of talk over the weekend about the fact that he overcomplicates his teams in Europe, the tactics, why did he do this? He's got a track record at Bayern Munich as well in the Champions League of picking very bizarre formations and systems. I was thinking about, okay, the why. Why does he do this? And I, I can't come to a theory that makes any sense beyond maybe genius people, and I'm not a genius in any area, so I'm, this is a theory. Don't do yourself down, but, mate. <laughs> I, I wonder if people that who, who are geniuses overcomplicate how to achieve greatness. And for mortals like me, when we look at the how to pick that team against Lyon, we think, well, just do what you normally do. That's how you're going to beat Lyon. But if geniuses like him, they don't see it like what well, they see it in a way of, I have to win this game and this competition in a particular type of way. It's very much the kind of Bielsa school of thought of, it's not about the winning, it's about how we win. And I think that maybe goes to the core of how people like him think of he doesn't see it how we see it because the way we see it is very logical. You play the team that you normally play in the league, you're going to win the game. You have better players. But in his mind, he sees it as, no, 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 no. I've got to do it this way. And we've seen it fail. Now, the problem I think that Alisson has laid out, Manchester City being perceived as a team in Europe that's not being feared, I think is completely valid. They have another second problem for me internally, and it's this. He has to be asked serious questions by the hierarchy and the fan base about his ability to deliver a Champions League to Manchester City. But the issue is this. I think he knows he's virtually unsackable at Manchester City. And he's also of the mindset that if you guys, the hierarchy that is, if you guys genuinely are going to question my methods, I'm going to walk. And they're so petrified of asking that question and applying that pressure that they don't. And the problem they have is that, well, if you don't ask the questions and have them in a room and say, listen, Pep, we've brought you here to deliver the Champions League and you're not doing that, then the, 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 the result will be more quarterfinal defeats. But if they do ask that question, he walks out the door. So I think there's an interesting kind of dichotomy here of how they approach the need to improve in Europe. But also, you know, conversely, will we reach or have we reached a situation where key players will walk? You know, you think of someone like Kevin De Bruyne. Real Madrid have already been, you know, linked to him tenuously at least. He's losing David Silva, who I think has probably been wasted in the last couple of weeks. And also to Jordan's point, Ali, is the team being shaped by his, you know, dominant 
pretty austere personality because it was quite you know visible against Leon. There was this lack of on-field, in-the-moment leadership from his team. Yeah, well, first of all, as to players maybe walking away, most, the vast majority of players that have signed for City have signed because the deal was great, but secondly, because they all said they wanted to work with the greatest coach in the world, Pep Guardiola. And I think, notwithstanding the very poor results, uh, the quarterfinal stage, most of those players would say they have improved either... Well, they would, they, I think they would all say they have... They have not... Maybe John Stones wouldn't. But I think most players would say they've improved. And if you listen to the way Pep talks about his his own version of how he is, he says, you know, he, when he was at Barca, he he was always told you're not good enough. Even if he'd had a what he thought was a 10 out of 10 game as a player, there'd be somebody there pointing out well, you could have done that better, you could have done this better. That's what he wants. He he wants players who, you know, to me, immortals look pretty darn good. He'll see the mistakes and make them better, make them better. And that, that does create a sort of cult of personality of a coach where players, regardless of how much they cost or how much they are paid or what prizes they win for their individual ability, they almost look like they're still pupils in the classroom. There's a sort of air of deference towards Guardiola, which is, whether it's deliberate or not, that's how it comes across. They are they are the pieces in his chess game and they do what they're told and they do it willingly because his his track record on the whole is is pretty good. At some point, yes, there's a sense of, well, why, you know, and this happened at Bayern Munich in Europe. The players gave up on Guardiola and said, we don't like your tactics in Europe. And they, they did their own thing. It didn't work. They still didn't win it. But they, there was a backlash there. And I think it's possible there could be a backlash this time around because they were well off the pace from Liverpool domestically. We all saw what happened in the Champions League. So at some point, those players will be thinking, well, I came here for a project and there was a trajectory, supposed to be a trajectory, and I can't see it now. You know, one of the one of the big things in football is that top players are always saying, oh, I need to win a Champions League medal, which is why, ironically, people are saying that Messi might come to Manchester City. Well, that would be the last place he'd come, wouldn't it? Because he's not likely to win one at the moment at Manchester City. But if if that is something that someone like Kevin De Bruyne really, really wants, then he might well decide to go. Because I think it's like... I don't know. It's like if you're in a art class at school, and every, you know how they get they, the pupils all adore the art teacher, and they all follow his 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 style, and they think they're going to get an A star, and then they sort of find out that he's a fraud, and he didn't, you know, he he himself has been painting something different than he's been teaching them, and he's is big on cubism, having told them it was rubbish or something and the shackles can fall quite quickly if you don't all buy into someone who is you know he's an obsessive and that breeds great results but it also as you've pointed out Mike means that when it comes to being uh, the players being allowed to adapt to what's happening on the pitch they just don't know how to do it because they don't do it often enough. Yeah and I suppose we can't underestimate the complexity of the working environment in a dressing room at the biggest clubs or one of the biggest clubs in the world, where, you know, essentially Guardiola and people at his level have to manage 
25 multinational corporations who just happen to be footballers. And, you know, they they have their own agendas, they have their own ambitions, they have the, their own people that they, they talk to, and those people in turn talk to other people. It does suggest to me, everything that we've talked about so far, that in terms of even his character, Jordan, that he's not a man for the rebuild that probably realistically needs to happen. No, I don't think he is. I don't think he'll be looking to leave anytime soon. I think that he desperately wants to finish the project he was brought in to deliver. But it feels like that something has to change. I think there are massive questions that have to be asked about Pep Guardiola this season. I think he's the greatest manager of his generation. So I think I want to put that in context. I think he's brilliant and amazing. But this season, I think it's unacceptable to be finishing 18 points behind Liverpool. I think people don't really, really deep how big a lead that is. 18 points is a really, really big gap to be going out to Lyon in the quarterfinals in a game when I don't think they were even particularly great. I think they maybe just shaded the game in terms of performance. But if you look back at their record over the last four years, Monaco, Tottenham, okay, take out Liverpool because they won it last year. They're not getting knocked out by this year's Bayern Munich or Barca at their best or, you know, the Champions League winning pig hogs of Real Madrid. They're losing to teams they should be beating. And I just think that unless he's prepared to try and find another way to try and win this Champions League, I can't see it happening. I don't think he will change. Therefore, Manchester City have to hope that his way does come, does bring the Champions League at some point in the near future. But I think he has to look at how he's going to do that. City have to look at, okay, what are the next two or three years for us? And if we're going to be rebuilding, who is the guy to be doing that? The name Pochettino for me comes to mind as somebody that I would be eyeing up for next season off the record. I'd be, you know, teeing him up potentially. Not because he's better than Pep, but because if they're going to go for that new phase of trying to dominate the league again and, and thus Europe, he seems the obvious candidate for me. Yeah, he's had quite a good weekend doing nothing, hasn't he, Pochettino, Ali? When you think about it, you know, there are obvious and logical links to Manchester City. And I wouldn't exclude him from the equation at Manchester United. If we can go on to them, it seemed to me that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's lack of game management experience was really apparent against the Sevilla, you know, the subs didn't come on till about the 86th minute from memory. There was an obvious lack of faith in the depth of the squad. Does he strike you as a manager who can take that club to the next level? I feel implicit in your question, Mike, is that you think not, but I would say yes. Oh, I do, I do think not. No. <laughs> I, think, I think he can. I think he can. I think... Why? Why? I think their defeat was nothing like the character of City's defeat. They didn't make any tactical mistakes. The mistakes were made on the pitch where, you know, once once the whistle's blown, there's not a lot, there's not a lot you can do about individual moments of panic or disarray. That's not, you know, Solskjaer hasn't told them to defend poorly. They just made a few mistakes. Overall, their approach to the game was absolutely fine and they created lots of chances and came up against a goalkeeper in excellent form and a defence in excellent form. And you sort of feel, you know, that's not that's not a negative. Seville are fantastic in Europe and they've got their identity. And being good in, 
defending is is as, as much a skill as as being good at attack. I don't think they lost to a a weak team the way a relatively weak team the way that City lost to a team that you know that finished seventh in the the French first division. You know, Seville were the you know the ones that know what they're doing. So I don't think there's any embarrassment in that defeat. There's individual embarrassment in ch- in choices made on the pitch, but I don't think I don't, I wouldn't blame Solskjaer for those choices. I think he has the team he has. He set them up. I don't think anyone quibbled with the way they he set them up. And yes, he's already making noises about um, needing to add to the squad. But that's been the problem way beyond his arrival as manager. The problem has been that they panic buy United and they don't buy in a logical, well thought through, forward thinking manner. They they see they see a hole or they see a famous player and they think, oh, we've got to have them, got to have them. And they just sort of forget that the whole thing's supposed to be an excellent plan. And I think Solskjaer does seem really quite uh, level-headed and sensible. And if he's allowed to, well, if they listen to him properly, I think they could spend wisely and build the club up to its previous great heights. I don't, I just don't see, because they've chopped and changed so much since Ferguson left. I don't see why getting rid of him now would actually help at all, because what you'd do is you'd, you'd bring in a manager who'd want to rip up a lot of what Solskjaer's done just to show that they're worth their salary. And you'd find you'd, you'd find you'd, you'd miss out on a lot that's very good. I like the way Solskjaer has shown faith in... I mean, Mason Greenwood, for example, everyone thinks he's a great, really big, great, world-famous player now. But something in the last 10 minutes, really. It was It's because Solskjaer brought him through, praised him at the right time, gave him time in the first team at the right moment in his career that he's he's nurtured him through the this is this is worth a lot as a manager and a coach i think the timing of how you bring through what is a strong academy there yeah well, to your point about the spending you know they spent 752 million pounds over the last five seasons you know they they've got the three they paid the three most expensive fees in premier league history but isn't the basic conclusion here Jordan, that losing three semi-finals in one season isn't good enough. Mm, it's not good enough for Manchester United. No, um, that, that was my yeah, point. Yeah, it's not good point, enough for yeah. them. I mean, where I agree with Alison is that I, I mean, I've not been a fan of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't think I still slap myself in the morning when I think that he's the manager of Manchester United. That still for me is very bizarre. <laughs> I just can't believe it. However, so I've been a very, very harsh critic of him this season. However. I don't blame him for yesterday's defeat. I think that he did what he could to set them up and give them the best chance of winning that game. They just weren't ruthless in front of goal. And I think their back five is 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 not good. So I wouldn't criticize him for yesterday's performance, yesterday's defeat. What I what I will where I will agree with you, Mike, is that there is a better manager out there that, that can take them to the next level in, I think, Pochettino. I take Alison's point that. Should he come in or any guy come in, they will make changes and it might feel like a a couple of steps backwards. But I think the three steps forward would be something that would be worth it. I don't see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer competing with the Klops and the Guardiolas over the next couple of years. I, I just don't think he's of that level. I think he's at a ceiling where he is right now. He's got them top four, three semifinals. I don't see him going any further than that. And if Manchester United want to be the best club in the country, in Europe once again, they have to, like any business, 
make the ruthless decisions that won't be nice, won't be popular, but for the greater good of the club, and I think it would be, which would be to sack him. That's brutal. That is very brutal. Sack him and get the guy who, in my opinion, is going to give them a better chance of becoming, once again, the best club in the country. Yeah, because there, you know, there are obvious holes in the squad, aren't they? You know, last night showed up weaknesses at left back in at the centre of their defence. Lindelof is is very fallible, but also at the other end. You know, in, in those last two games, Ali, thirty three chances, they scored two goals from the penalty spot. So they, you know, ergo, they need a number nine. Let's let's look at United. Also, given what you said earlier on, you know they they do throw money at the wall usually. How would you strengthen that team? I don't think they should waste money up front. Actually, I think there's a there's a, there's enough talent up there. I, I I you can't look at the last two games and say it's not good enough. They've they've since Solskjaer's come in, they've slowly improved in that area, and since Project Restart, they've done really well. I wouldn't waste money there. I think Greenwood, for example, will get better. Look how Anthony Martial has turned from being a hate figure to a love figure. He knows how to, and he was a really great striker himself, Solskjaer. I think he's, I think there's a project there with the talent he's got up front, and I would stick with that. But defensively, yes, they need someone. If you're going to persist with Harry Maguire, who I think probably, I was, I was a huge fan of Harry Maguire, and I thought uh, United did incredibly well to get him. That was a feather in their cap, but I don't think he's really. He's certainly nowhere near as influential as someone like Virgil van Dijk. I know nobody is, but he's not even close. And I think that's partly because he doesn't have the right partner. I think if they could find somebody that suited him, it doesn't have to be a big name or, an, or and there aren't there aren't many great centre halves around. That's probably the, the 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 hardest thing to find at the moment. But I think if you can, instead of just trying to sign a big name, find someone that you think can dovetail well with Maguire and let Maguire be what he used to be, which was someone that would carry the ball out and have a sense of authority. I still think it's in Harry Maguire to be a great, great centre-half, but it's just he just he's got too much to worry about with his other defenders around him at the moment, to have that sort of relaxed approach. So I think they need to think carefully about that and maybe... If, I don't want to sound like I'm Solskjaer's fan club, so I will offer a few, a few slap around the face criticisms, which is I think you probably, whilst I think up front the promotion of youth is good, at the back it's not necessarily so. And his fullbacks do sometimes just they just simply look inexperienced. Wambasaka, a great signing, and he will he will grow and become better. But I don't you know. He probably makes one crucial mistake per match purely out of his inexperience. Defenders need, they just need that sort of knowledge that you can't coach. It just comes from, and that's why he will be a great defender, because you learn most of all from the mistakes you make, not from the great things you do. So they probably need to spend money, probably spend money at the back. But cleverly, don't just, they do this in United. They feel they've got to go for someone who's just very expensive and very famous that someone else might want to, and then they look great because they managed to poach poach them. They should be clever about it and think, what have they got? They've got very expensively assembled talent. Make it better by recruiting the correct people that make those people shine. Yeah, I suppose then you've you've just got to look at Liverpool, and it's it's funny actually. United at the moment, Jordan, remind me a little bit of of Liverpool three or four years ago. You know, a bedrock on which to build, but they need to be smart in in doing so. 
And they have been smart at Liverpool, haven't they? You know, they've almost grown organically. They've got the best recruitment model. You know, if they get 20 million for Harry Wilson, you know, another sort of Solanke bit of business, that'll go some way to, to underpinning the signing of Thiago, who probably is going to be a key presence for them next season. I totally agree. Um, just to briefly answer your the question you asked Alison about who I would sign if I was at United, I would buy a number nine. I do think Martial has the, has the ability to score 20, 25 goals in a season. I'm a big fan of his. I think in the big games and the big moments of which there'll be some in the Champions League next year, I question whether he's the guy I would rely on in those key moments to score those big goals. At the back, I actually am not a fan of Maguire. I think their best central defender actually is Lindelof. And I don't think he's brilliant, but I think if you look at this season, I think he's been better than Maguire. I think Maguire has been massively hiding in big moments this season. Um, I think the fee they pay for him is ridiculous. And I'm not having Brandon Williams. I know he's young. I know he's young, but I, I would look at getting a left back. So I wouldn't prioritise a striker, but I do think they need an alternative to Martial up front for next season. I think Liverpool have done, it's looking like the business of the summer so far. I love how Liverpool do their business. There's a plan. There's a there's a, an assertiveness about how they go for who they go for. There There's an idea about why they're going for that player. They seem to not pay ridiculous fees for those players. I think what they're paying for Thiago is that is one of the, the, the bargains of the last decade. I'm really jealous. I'm really upset that Liverpool have got him because I really wanted him at my club, but that's, that's, that's dreaming big. And I think it's a very, very calculated move by Liverpool to get in a player, not just for the sake of bringing another midfielder, but I can see exactly where and how he would fit into that team. And I think there's, a, there's an old adage about you know signing when you're at your strongest. But smart buys and Liverpool, I think, are the epitome at the moment of we're the best team in the country. We're going to just, you know, we're not going to go crazy and, and spend crazy fees on, on players. We're going to identify where we want to be stronger or back up and, and, and how. And they've done that, I think, with this still exemplary. I think fullbacks is the other area for Liverpool I, I would look at. I would look at getting them back up for their current two fullbacks just to make sure those two fullbacks are on their toes and can maintain what they've done for the last 18 months, two years. But no, that, that deal, if it happens, I think with a deal of the, of the summer so far. Yeah, well, they've done so, haven't they, with uh, you know, the Greek left-back going in there anyway. What about Jurgen Klopp? You know, by, by definition, Ali, he is the most successful coach in the, in the world at the moment. We seem to be entering an era of German coaches and you know, through three in the Champions League semi-finals, and almost German teams, because Bayern, you know, looking forward, seem to be prohibitive favourites for the Champions League, don't they? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like to be contrary, but it's really hard to, <laughs> to make a case for Bayern sort of just sort of at this point floundering. I really liked the way Thomas Muller spoke after the 8-2 defeat of Barcelona. He was, I, I don't know, honestly, if you had to create a script of the, the perfect way to behave when you've absolutely trounced a very famous club like that. He did it. He he didn't pretend it wasn't fun. He said it was fun, but he also said it absolutely means nothing. And you just know that they will not be resting on a single tiny laurel at all. They will go go again and go again. And yes, they 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 have to be favourites. But they've you know, Bayern 
I wouldn't say it's lucky they've got the right coach in Hansi Flick, but they, they certainly have landed on their feet because, or maybe it's not luck, maybe they saw how Niko Kovac, he, he, his main problem was he didn't know how to handle the, the big names. Bayern Munich are a club where there are a lot of players have been there a long time and they have a lot of authority and self-esteem and you can't go to that club and start imposing your will as a coach in an obvious way. You've got to be clever about it. And Flick's come in and allowed the players to to feel emboldened and that they're partially in charge of their own destiny. And he's learned all that by spending so long with the German national team, sort of behind the scenes, watching how, how you do that, how you make sure big players when when you get them all together in training, you you allow them that sense of just that a sense that they do have some input that they that you treat them with the respect of of what they've achieved rather than saying right well, my coaching principles come first the players come second and so on so I think to get that balance right in a team of superstars some of which as I say you know if they click their fingers they could become the manager of a big club themselves they've got proper status a lot of them there and to be able to manage those egos and make them into the force that they are is incredible and uh, you know I think Jordan you mentioned that sometimes great coaches they if it's a question of genius they want to say it's not just about the winning it's that you can all see that I won it by being astute it's just very simple at Bayern, isn't it? They know they know they will score more. So the more they let in, if you look at their results in Germany, they the more they let in, the more they score. It's like they've always got a riposte. So not only are they admirable, they are actually a joy to watch. Mm. It's interesting when you talk about Hansi Flick, how strangely underestimated he has been. You know, he's had success at club level and international level. He was involved in the the seven one in the World Cup, but also does it point Jordan to almost systemic success of coaching development in Germany that maybe we don't have over here in England? There's a terrific book by Jonathan Harding called Mensch, which looks at the coaching structure in in Germany and how it's a much more people-based process than maybe we have here and also young coaches are developed and, and nurtured in a club system which is run by the sporting director and you know they're there and they can be fitted into place in five years time or wherever I suppose in essence do Germany do it better than anyone in terms of club football um yeah leaning towards saying yes I can't think of another nation that off the top of my head that does it better than them at the moment the fact they have three of the four managers at the semi-final of the Champions League are all German, and none of them are Klopp. Says a lot um, about how well <laughs> they're doing. I've got a few German friends who are in and around football, and they say to me that one of the things that they notice is different here than, than in Germany is there's a lot of people in Germany, when they're young, talk about wanting to manage and coach. So whether they go into playing the game or not, there's a lot of people they were saying that you know, when we're back in Germany, there's a lot of, even, you know, teenagers, you know, the late teens, early 20s, there's, there's a lot of thinking about wanting to go into management and, and ownership. 
from a very young age that I just don't hear here. It seems to be in this country, you almost fall into management, you fall into coaching after you finish playing the game. And I wonder if that kind of mentality of thinking about management before you even play the game has any kind of bearing on what happens at the back end of their careers. And if also some of those players, when they're even playing, are thinking about managing the game. You hear from some of the top players when they kind of come to the back end of their careers talking about, you know, they had an interest in tactics and formations and it wasn't just playing the game. They were thinking about that from a very early age and that just doesn't seem to happen here. There's also, I think, to your point, an element of the people side of the game as opposed to the playing and the kind of footballing side of it, which I think uh, plays a role, a role too. They're genuinely interested in the intricacies of how club football works rather than just the scoring goals and on the field. There seems to be across Europe this kind of interest in what happens off the field beyond just you know scoring goals and tactics as well. And I think that is something the Germans, in my experience, really take seriously as well. Yeah, Leon, Ali, you know, they they have to face uh, Bayern this week. Um, can they come down, do you think, from the emotional high of beating City quickly enough? And But have they already answered that almost assumption that the French teams will be handicapped by five months off, basically? Let's look at the Lyon model, if we could. Is it much more better balanced? They've got, you know, there's a necessity of academy development. They've earned £200 million in the last couple of years in players that they developed themselves. What about Lyon and what do they tell us about how football can be done? Well, first of all, I don't think they'll be on a particularly emotional high having beaten City because they beat them last season, drew with them last season, and they saw that City just copied their tried to mirror their own formation and that probably gives them an extra boost of confidence and makes them feel not emotional but rather pleased with themselves. I think that's a perfect way to go into a semi-final actually rather than thinking oh we've done the done the hard work. They've they'll see it just as, you know, another notch along the way uh, which is which is terribly uh, damning of city isn't it when you put it like that. So I don't I don't think the problem will be whoopee we beat city at all. It'll just be they stuck to their game plan and it paid off. It should give them a sense of um, confidence and authority. Leon are, it's it's weird to talk about them because they, they had a disappointing domestic campaign and they're involved in, you know, legal issues because they, they felt the league was, was, was ended too soon and it was really bad from their point of view. I, don't, I mean, I think a lot of Leon fans might would say if it wasn't for this this spell in the Champions League, they would they would say their model was was slightly awry actually, but they don't. Yeah, well, it was it was their worst season for twenty three years, I think. Domestic. Yeah, and it's bound that's bound. But I wouldn't condemn them for that because I think that's bound to happen when you're essentially a selling club. You're a club that, and so many are that they they exist purely because they're good with with their books. But if you can get into the momentum of believing you're going to produce talent. And that, so what happens with a lot of clubs that, that produce good talent and then sell it, there's a wave of despondency that, oh, we'll never see the like of him again. But if you manage to do it more than a few times and you believe you're going to keep doing it, then that ends up being your your reason for being. It's, it ends up, that's your model and you'll stick with it. There's no other choice anyway. 
if you can get into the groove of knowing, you know how to bring through players so that when you do sell popular ones, it doesn't cause too much heartache because you've got someone ready to bring through, then that's, for those clubs of that size, when you're in, especially when you, you know, you're up against some in a domestic team with the riches of PSG, there's no point moaning about the fact you don't have access to that kind of wealth. You may as well create your own bubble of how you survive and work, work it that way. So in, in many ways, to answer your question, I don't think clubs the size of Leon have any choice but to do that and then do it really well. And if they should which I don't think they will, but if they were to triumph this season in Europe, it, it would be testament to those clubs that are just run very well and sensibly and don't panic when there's a gap in the team. They think, well, surely in one of our youth teams or surely we can identify someone at a you know bargain price to come in and fix it. Because as I was, as I was talking about what United should do, it isn't always about buying the best you can afford. It's about buying the best to make what you've got better. Mention of PSG there obviously leads us into the other Champions League semi-final, Jordan. Uh, it's the battle of the brands, isn't it? You know, uh, if you're a football romantic, you, you probably just need to be huddled in a corner, weeping silently into your hanky. Red Bull Leipzig, negatives, right-wing links to fans, pretty cynically commercial, positives, Brilliant recruitment. Yeah, I mean, this is this whole thing is new money versus old money. Um, this is this, uh, these two games are set up as. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about them beyond what you just said there. I mean, it's refreshing, I suppose, to some people to see, uh, you know, for like an outsider get this far and potentially get to the final of the Champions League. Some people think that they don't like the way that they have acquired their their success, and I'm of the mindset that hey, you know, as long as your money is, is is clean and there's questions around that spend spend what you want as long as you're not breaking any rules to kind of gain success why should the party only include you know the traditional elite of european clubs i actually think psg are going to win the champions league and maybe going back to alison's point maybe i'm being contrary here for the sake of it and i'm trying to find a reason why bayern won't win it but i, I i've got a sneaky feeling psg are going to win it this year i think in a in a one-off game i think the kind of the one-legged ties work best for PSG probably more than any other club. I think we've seen in the last few years that over two legs, they just don't have the mentality and the know-how to kind of to, to really get it done. I think it's, it's, if it's a straight shootout and a one ninety minutes, I think they can beat probably anybody in Europe. And I think with the firepower they have up front, they'll fancy themselves, I think, against anybody. Okay, I take the fact that Bayern have got um, a couple of half-decent players up front as well. Um, I've just got a, a gut feeling that PSG might upset the odds here and, and, and really go far. And I think that will be quite interesting in terms of how we now see the Champions League with, with the, the teams that are now coming through. Is this a one-off year with the likes of PSG and RB Leipzig getting to the semis? We don't know. But um, I, I think it's interesting that those kind of clubs are now getting to these, these stages and what that means for the traditional clubs of your Interesting, yeah. Lewandowski, half decent. Uh, discuss. <laughs> um, let's look at because I I think this knockout system has been fantastic. I I understand its limitations because when fans are involved, it will just be impractical. But one of the most intriguing factors of it all, I've I found, Ali, is that the consequences for defeat 
are huge. You know, we've spoken about City and United. What about Barcelona? No trophy for the first time in 12 years. Cue absolute carnage. It's carnage because of the manner of defeat. It's it's not as if they got unlucky and we saw sparkle and we, there was just one nice run from Messi and one decent cross. That's about it from him. He did look like a player who looked around him and thought, I can't lift this team. And that's a seismic thing to watch from anyone in, in the world who loves their football because you, you tune in to watch Barcelona for a reason. It's for oh, the beauty of it and... The, the 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 tiki taka and Messi who holds it all together. You don't you don't tune in to watch Lionel Messi looking like he's had enough. So it, that's why it's seismic because they didn't even seem to try. But you know the the, the 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 final few goals were just there was no movement from Barcelona at all. It was like complete. Yeah, we're just not good enough now. It's, it's, it's just not working. And behind the scenes at Barcelona, they're bored, it's not uh, popular, and there's going to be sort of things we don't see here, elections and stuff, and there'll be overhauls there. They're thinking... It's really hard in, to be the Barcelona manager. So, you know, we all know there's a... Even while that game was unfolding, people were talking about who the, the next manager would be. Ronald Koeman, I can't see. I don't think he's right. I don't think it's right for him, but I can't see who else they'd go to. I was there in that. He's played a, re he's played a really good political game, hasn't he? Because as you said, Ali, it's all about you know presidential elections. Those candidates will each have their own preferred managerial candidate and they'll be pushing them silently and quietly. Koeman has been angling for that job for years and probably... Do you think that gives him a better chance than, say, someone like Bielsa or, you know, Bielsa at Barcelona would be like throwing a hand grenade into an arm's dump, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, I just, if you have any attachment to Barcelona at all, it has to be Ronald Koeman, even though you'll get purists saying his style of football isn't quite what we want. I don't think that, I don't, actually don't think that's true. I think he, he knows the club inside out. I was there when he won the first Champions League for them, the European Cup for them in, in 92. I was there at Wembley. It was him. It, so was him. Was it was his show. It was his show. It was him. It was him. He embodies that team as much as any of the greats who are currently in the business of, of football still. But he's he's been unwell and he has to finish at least the next cycle with Holland. I mean, he has to get... If, they, if the Euros do happen, he has to stay on for that, I think, because he's revolutionised them and made them look like they could win something so i and it's much easier being an in, international manager than a club manager if you've if you've had a health scare so although you're right politically he's played it well i wonder if he genuinely might be playing hard to get not because he's playing hard to get because he's actually wondering should i do this and i think he'd only do it if everything fell into place i don't think he'd want the job if it was considered controversial i think he'd want it to be fairly unanimous that we want you here and that um, he would have a lot of control and time on the job. But it, it timing-wise, it's not great because I think he's doing well for Holland. And the, the, two, the, two, the only two jobs he's ever wanted are to manage the Dutch team and Barcelona. And for them to sort of converge at this point, I think it's quite, it's quite sad for him, actually. It's like, it's like, it's like 
people who have, you know, their birthday on Christmas Eve and then it's Christmas Day. It's not, that's no fun. I wonder if Bielsa is a shout as well. If Barca, you know, maybe try to look at Bielsa as someone to come in and do like a like an overhaul job for the next couple of years, that that could be something that they could be looking at just as an option. But he doesn't take he doesn't take any prisoners, does he? And in that in that environment, would he be you know just a bit too maverick? I'm not sure beggars can be choosers at the moment. <laughs> if you're Barcelona, <laughs> I know they're the big big Barcelona, but at the moment they're in pieces. So just as an option, I wonder if they might you know just a short term you know, transitional period, if he's someone they might they might kind of turn to. Just yeah, it was, it, it was interesting, you know, to your point about earlier about Pochettino being available and uh, he was mentioned very quickly and he's probably going to have convenient amnesia about his previous loyalty to Espanyol. Do you think he would work? Um, I think he would. And I'm not sure I fully buy that this whole, I won't go there because of my Espanyol links. I think that he believes that. But I believe they can make a, if they can put to him a really strong proposition to transform that club. I, I wonder if it, you know the offer might be too hard to turn down. But you know he's quite he's known as quite a principled man. So some would say that you know he would stand firm. But I don't know principles in football don't often go hand in hand. So we'll see. They certainly don't. Um, right. Well, let's pull this together if we could then, please. Ali, we have the thought for the day feature uh, at the end of each show. You know, essentially. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about, any issue you'd like to raise? And the floor is yours. Well, thank you. Well, <laughs> it says a lot about me that, that when you suggest that, I immediately think of something that makes me cross rather than something that makes me happy. So apologies. <laughs> but um, what makes me cross is that every single time we get to this stage of the Champions League and the Europa League, everyone draws conclusions about what it means about each the state of each country's football and it's not necessarily the case that you can now conclude that English football is falling behind. Of course it isn't. Liverpool would be there if they'd not had a backup keeper against Atletico Madrid. It is the, the mistakes made by City are not the mistakes made by English football. They're the mistakes made by a, a Catalan coach. It's do not, do not make... I mean, German football is not everything. It's mainly Bayern Munich. It's not that you, you can't draw these big massive conclusions that you know Spanish football is dead and French football is on the rise no the problems that French football have because their domestic league is is just so non-competitive will continue so I just think we should look at it remember it's a club competition and it's about the money and the characters and the players and the cult of personalities in those particular clubs and cities it is not about the nations that they happen to inhabit Good point. Good point. Jordan, what would you like to say? Uh, my one quick one is around defenders and centre-backs in particular. And I am really worried about the lack of quality centre-backs there are across Europe. I think there's an issue of this. This could be because coaches are now training centre-backs to be ball-playing defenders. And therefore, I don't know, maybe when you gain footballing technical skills, potentially you lose um, other areas of of, of skill areas that are needed for a centre-back. This kind of became a start to me when I was picking my team of the year a couple of weeks ago, Premier League team of the year. And I've, the hardest area to pick was centre-backs because I genuinely don't think there have been any good centre-backs or brilliant centre-backs this year. Van Dyke got in because I think he is the best centre-back in the Premier League. But I actually think he was better last season when they didn't win the Premier League. So he was one. Soyonchu, I think, was massively overblown. I think he had three incredibly good months at the start of the season. I think he's an okay defender. 
And I just wonder if how we're coaching defenders now and if there's a there's a lack of wanting to be a centre back if you're a ten year old, twelve year old kid now. And if that if that is a position that you know, even at fullback, there's so many fullbacks now that are former wingers and a former attacking player. So my thought of the day is where are the good centre backs? And I think when my club Arsenal and Chelsea in particular need centre backs and also United, we're prioritising attackers. I, I wonder where we're going with the art of defending and actually the skill of being a good defender. Yeah, it seems a bit churlish to complain after all the drama that we've had served up over the last couple of weeks. But I think we're in danger of having too much football too quickly. It's absolutely ludicrous that the Community Shield has been squeezed in on August the 29th. In case anyone cares, which I doubt, Liverpool are meant to be playing Arsenal. It will be an on-event rescued, probably, only by the preceding game between the two most compelling teams in women's football, Chelsea and Manchester City. That takes us into an international break, which promises to be similarly underwhelming. Then on September the 12th, the Premier League restarts. Viewer fatigue seems inevitable, especially without the psychological boost of crowds returning. Now, I know I sound like an harassed parent here, but you can have too much of a good thing. Just don't be greedy. Do you agree? If so, please let me know. If not, please let me know. And thanks in the meantime for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.